Welcome to Wild and Weird Radio, a Wild and Weird West Virginia podcast. This week is going to be awesome because we've got our friends from Fearscape, a paranormal podcast, hanging out with us, and we are going to have a wild and weird time. Hang in there, guys. This one is going to be one for the books. What is going on, everybody? How are y'all doing? So are we actually sticking these in books now? What? Are we, are we what? <laughs> are we sticking them in books? He said it's one for the books. I didn't know. It could be a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, everybody's <laughs> just kind of given up on the whole digital thing. So it's hard to stick it in your phone without damaging it. So I figured it would be a good way to just <laughs> stick it in a I mean, book. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was waiting for you guys you know, to catch that. That's where everybody keeps their extra cash, right? You just put it in yeah. the pages of a book. Yeah, right? we just put it in our case. What is this extra cash? What is this extra cash you speak of? I don't do not understand. So, folks, these extra voices that you hear with us are our good friends, Josh Rutledge and Josh. I can't remember his last name, so it's not that important. Well, is it Josh and Josh? Josh, no, Josh and Josh, but not Mike and Ike. Mike and Mike. I don't know. Josh and Stephan Gearhart. There you go. Oh, yeah, that you know, there we go. Oshkosh, you guys have to gosh. remember, Joe had a stroke. Stroke, uh, yeah, yeah. Stroke, so. This is something you may not know. Uh, our listeners I, may not did know Did I not that. say? Oh, I said Josh. It's okay. It's okay. And just so you know, guys, you're apparently not that good of friends. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's bad? I'm actually, like, I was right here looking at everything, too. So Joe, like, I can you. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, who do you want to be? Uh, yeah, we got Josh Rutledge and Stephen Gerhardt. It doesn't matter. Stephen, I mean, after, now, so what after we paid. When you interview, like, you know, Ken Gerhardt. We're just going like, to change names. Not, not related. <laughs> no, but, it, but, it's, but it's, you know, that's a funny story because in talking to Ken, we found out that his last name used to be spelled the same way that Stephen spells his, and he, and yeah. he changed it. Wow. Yeah, and I was well, like, see, like what, I, what the I heck, have man? some Gerhardt friends around this way that have um their their names are spelled like Stefan's last name. Mm-hmm. And uh then there's some other folks that we went to school with that had the same last name, but they didn't spell it the same. And they did one of those ancestry DNA kit deals and found out that they're actually related. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of the Gearhearts were in kind of that southern middle Pennsylvania, and it kind of snuck down into West Virginia and some areas there. And uh, even though I'm I'm originally from Ohio, but it, there wasn't very many Gearhearts up there. <laughs> snuck down when no one was watching, right? I mean, that's yeah. Happened, yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. So you guys are over at uh, the you know the Fear Escape podcast. You've got a a good following over there, and you cover about as broad a range of topics. May it, sometimes even more broad than what we get into, because uh, you you delve more into the conspiracy stuff. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, it's one of the um, reasons we love your guys' show. I mean, you guys seem to man right along the same wave we do sometimes, and we just wave at each other. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's a good time, and uh, you know, I, I got to be on your show a while back after uh, we we had the John Tenney Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think has been a little, a little over a year ago, and then I know Wayne has been on your show. Um, so the two superstars so now, of our show. 
<laughs> now, someday, now someday we'll have Ron to, to <laughs> set through the harassment I'm, uh, on Wild Wing. I'm, I'm a little harder to, uh, to to get booked, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah, it's hard. Your agent's tough, man. Yeah, I know. It's all good. <laughs> Okay. I can talk to Maria for you if you guys like. <laughs> so you know, there's something got about you guys interested in uh, doing the podcasts in general, and then especially like the content that you're in. What what drew you into the the world of the weird? So I'll let Stefan go first because he's been doing it longer than I have. So he's been yeah. weirder longer. Oh, I have been weird my whole life, man. I grew up in a family that goes back generations with psychic gifts and uh, different things like that. The occult and supernatural grew up Catholic as well. And so, you know, whether Catholics want to believe it or not, they are steeped in the supernatural uh, and things like that. My sister has the ability to speak to the dead and, and things like that. So this was always a part of my upbringing uh, and the like. Uh, and so I was sick of keeping it all to myself. And so I started this show around three years ago. I uh, had a friend and I that had worked together on this show for quite some time. And he had a lot of experiences as well over the years, just like I had. I mean, I've every Dang, paranoid. I mean, I've always lived in old places, and I always seem to be the one that gets the uh, the fun hauntings where they hold you down and smack you in your face and stuff like that. So that was always fun. Uh, and after um, he Have left, sex with you while you're sleeping is that kind of thing? Go yeah, on. like a Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it's like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after uh, he had left the show, I immediately. Uh, contacted Josh. We worked together. We've always been interested in weird stuff and, and things like that and asked him to come aboard and, and join the show with us. And uh, this led the show to go in just a crazy direction. <laughs> so instead yeah. of talking about just mostly hauntings and things like that, it it opened everything. And it's all stuff that we got interested in or fell down rabbit holes. And from there, Josh, you can take over. Yeah, so I mean, you know, uh, oddly enough, Stefan and I uh, started talking about my involvement in the podcast at a visitation for a funeral. Um, <laughs> we went to we went to dinner after uh, visitation and and just started talking about uh, the you know he was going to need a new co-host and I said, hey, what about me doing it? And yeah, I mean, it was just and, and then of course the rest is history. But yeah, I mean, you know, we just uh, you know I think when we first started the show, we started having. Um, we started out kind of having a list of topics and, you know, we would go through that list and pick topics to have for the next episodes. You know, I don't think we've looked at that list of topics, uh, <laughs> no, in probably, in a while. in probably over a year. Um, we just kind of let, uh, let the, um, uh, what are they called? The, the, the sticks that people use the, oh my goodness. Uh, what's it called when you have the, the two rods that cross each other? Dowsing. There you go. We just we just let our kind of spiritual dowsing rods kind of point us in the right direction, and so far it's been working out for us. Yeah, it seems like every guest that we have on the show uh, kind of fulfills a lot of the answers that we were looking for, and then gives us like twenty more questions. And yeah. That. <laughs> and then that leads nice. to somebody else, and somebody else, and so on. It's so always so, yeah. so weird how I mean they will talk about something that him and I have just because we don't just talk about it on the show. I mean this is our life. We talk about it daily, um, just about the journey that we're on spiritually and paranormally, and it's amazing the things that we'll talk about, and we'll have a guest that's coming on that we don't know a whole lot about, and all the sudden starts spouting the same theory that we literally just talked about and it's it's crazy man. <laughs> yeah so so some, something out there in, in the universe if you will is kind of looking out for us and guiding us in the right direction i guess so 
Well, I think we but, found uh, uh, that a lot of people, though, uh, who are into this, guys, uh, there's this weird synchronicity that draws everyone together. Yeah. We always call it a weird magnet, you know? That's what... We, yeah. And it's kind of like that, right? So... Yeah. Yeah, that's really 100%. awesome. 100%. Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, with Joe coming on the show, you know, we were supposed to have him and the other guy, um, but we ended up just working with Joe and it like we <laughs> we talked about so much stuff outside of that Bigfoot sighting um, and it was all stuff that we were already super into, which is really how uh, I really felt such a great connection with you guys and then talking to Wayne to just seeing what yeah. you guys post. It's so you guys are into the same stuff that we are, and we just absolutely love it. And it looks like you are just the same. And I know a lot of us in this community are the same as well, but we're always trying to find uh, answers to questions and, and then trying to find new questions to ask. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, you know, and then just kind of another thing that I think you, you and I, you know, we all have in common is, is that we kind of look at the phenomenon holistically, right? So it's not just Bigfoot or not just UFOs or not just aliens or whatever. It's how is it all kind of related to mm -hmm. each other? So, Because yeah. there, there does seem to be some sort of interconnected fiber that runs along the entire vein of the unexplained. Um, and some, some of those fibers might be looser than others where, where they're somewhat <laughs> interconnected. But there's still this seems to be this uh, this vein that everything kind of runs through and the crowd and the community all all pretty well follow that vein. And so when you get a group of people who say interested in the paranormal and ghosts, it's kind of like a gateway drug. It's yeah. Into what's next, and then they start. They might get interested in UFOs, and then they're they're like, oh, they see a UFO report that involved a large hairy hominid looking creature, uh -huh. and then they're looking at Bigfoot stuff, and so it, it turns into this awesome amalgamation uh, for for people like us who are make shows and make content um, because it gives us a little bit of liberty to go into different topics because the community is pretty well all going to listen for the most part. You, yeah. You've got folks on every camp who, who are, you know, going to throw stones. Um, if you're not lining up in the exact same camp that yeah. they're in, but you know, Oh, we talk about it all the time. My, my sister, like I said, she is a medium. She speaks to the dead. You know, she's a ghost paranormal. She ghost hunts and all kinds of things like that. But if you even try to talk to her about aliens, she looks at you like you're a loony. And I'm like, really, Trisha? You talk to dead people. I think that aliens are okay on the same list. She's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, it was it, it was kind of like that with um with with us honestly uh all three of us at one point or another in our relationship with ron and and wayne and myself where you know we were all kind of like ah. but now the more that we've talked and the more we've actually researched a lot of these topics we're like mm, instead of being just like ah, oh, we're like yeah. mm, Maybe Same. Josh and I too, for sure. That's what I was saying. It's like, we really grew together because Josh was kind of a little more into UFOs than I was. And I was a little bit more into uh, paranormal and things like that. And then there was like a solid period where we kind of flipped <laughs> where Josh got really hardcore into paranormal and occult stuff. And I got really sucked into, you know, uh, 
that that UFO and aliens kind of idea. And it's yeah, you're absolutely right. And the more and more we dig, the more and more we're just kind of well, coming together on everything. <laughs> and it's and it's really it's really odd when you start looking at uh, things when you start looking at stories that were predominantly told one way with a different lens of how is this connected. And I'll give you a really good example of that is when we we talked about the infield haunting, you know, that happened over in England. Uh, it was like the poltergeist, uh, yeah, conjuring to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, so all that. And, and, and so in, in researching that, um, I started thinking, well, I wonder if there was anything else that was happening around the same time. And you know what? There was, there was a big UFO flap that was happening mm-hmm. just like a couple miles up the road from when all this was happening with the poltergeist. So now I'm thinking, Hmm, well, how are these things potentially related? And is one the byproduct of another? You know, so it just really gets you thinking about when you're looking at things through that different lens. Oh, the same with Andrea. We had Andrea Perrin on the show early on, who was the oldest daughter from the first Conjuring movie in real life. And she says the same thing. I mean, during the entire haunting that they were going through, she saw so many UFOs. So did her family. They saw creatures in the woods that they couldn't explain. And it just fits again, fits that unified theory there. Yeah, it's the same thing we saw in Point Pleasant with the Mothman. It's the same thing. Exactly, you know, yeah. These high strangeness episodes that seem to just coalesce. You know, same thing with the Chestnut Ridge. It's all that, right. this energy base. There's something there that's, you know, are we, is it what it is or are we just perceiving it as that? You know, that's the great well, you mystery. Know, one of the things that I've been tossing around, we've talked about it with, uh, we had Kathleen Martin on a few weeks back and we talked about it with her and, and uh, recently with, with Paulino and is that, um, you know, the, the thing that, uh, everybody talks about with a lot of UFO um, appearances is the electromagnetism in the area kind of spikes up, right? So there's electromagnetic mm-hmm. magnetic field that's kind of given off by the presence of UFOs. And so one of the things that I've been kicking around is does that electromagnetism, is that produced or, or is it the cause potentially of some sort of a gateway opening, right? Mm-hmm. And so that allows other things that are in other realms or dimensions or whatever to pass into our dimension while that UFO is in the area. And then shortly after the UFO goes, the energy dissipates and the doorway closes. And then we go a little while longer before seeing anything. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Now, one of the ideas that I had that kind of went along that same vein was, um, and, and we, we talked about it, but it didn't make it into the, uh, the film, um, that Seth, just put out with small town monsters, the, um, on the trail of UFOs. Uh, there's a segment where you hear me walking into that, uh, talking about how the Appalachian mountain range is the oldest range in the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's a possibility. Yeah. That this is like a landmark area that has been a known trackway, but part of that could be the electromagnetism in the area. You know, we, we do know how the L trains will have to work. You know, to to actually get a rail train to work, the um the ones that Elon Musk is designing, they bounce off of electromagnetism. They essentially hover in place and move like light rail, not uh, train rails. The 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 way that will work is that this thing will float there and go. Now, what if we have those electromagnetic fields and they're they're intense? We know that they're here because of the ley lines and whatnot. Yeah. But what if those sites? just happen to be at peaks where these craft can come in and skid across them and move across them effortlessly. Mm. 
and and it doesn't cause any kind of damage to their engines and whatnot. You know, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just did a little YouTube video a couple weeks back, uh, looking at Google Earth, and I went out and I pulled all the New Fork data, all the sighting data from New Fork, threw it into Google Earth, and then I found a ley line uh, overlay, threw that into Google Earth, and I had kind of postulated that. Ley lines are kind of like a highway system for UFO craft. And so if you look at a lot of the New Fork sighting information, a lot of it happens around or close to intersection points of ley lines. And so yep. kind of along that same thought process, if if those things are acting like highways and allowing the UFO craft to kind of skip across and you look at reporting data, I've actually gone out and pulled all the Bigfoot Class A data uh, from uh, BFRG. Is that what it's called? So... BFRO, um, thank you. And I'm, I'm getting ready to load that into uh, Google Earth and see what that shows me. But, yeah, I mean, it just um, it, it's an interesting thought that, you know, you might be able to identify several intersection points of ley lines and, and conduct such an experiment to go out and say, OK, we're going to go out where these ley lines intersect and we're going to do some um, experiments, you know, looking at you know, tri-field meters and so on and so forth, certain times of night or certain times of the day and see if we can, you know, pick up on or prove that particular theory, so. No, it's absolutely feasible as far as I'm concerned. Uh, these are... I, I knew this was going to be something that yeah. would bring Ron in on these it. Are, these are, <laughs> well, they're ancient He's concepts. big on the astro ancient astronaut theory, and this oh, is right I in the vein. Well. Yeah, yeah, we are as well. Yep, well, same here. You know, it, it's the ancient concept. And, you know, dowsers, uh, the whole art of dowsing is exactly that. We can, we can track these lines. It's not just water. We can track the mm -hmm. actual energy lines. So if we can do that, well, then maybe we were actually, you know, designed to do that, so to speak. Or mm -hmm. maybe that's a holdback from, you know, who we once were, so to speak, you know. Um, a lot of speculation involved, but... The, the uh, evidence is that, you know, a lot of the great megalithic structures on the planet are built on these ley lines. Or, oh, yeah. I mean, Stonehenge, yes. the Great Pyramids, uh, a lot of places in Peru, the, like the, the whole, you know, Nazca lines and everything aligned up with things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. And, and you know, and then if you take it and you reverse it, you know, like you, you flip it out the other way, are there also ley lines that kind of transverse our solar system, our galaxy, our universe, so on and so forth, that would act in a similar fashion outside of just our terrestrial planet? Well, it's just so much we don't know. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes uh, some of these UFOs that we're seeing, like the, the orbs of light, the balls of light, the energy, you know, these... They're not quite craft, but they're definitely a UAP. They're some mm -hmm. kind of a phenomena, and they're aerial, and we have no clue what they are. Sometimes I kind of think those may just be the byproduct of something that we can't see. You know, that's it's the tip of the iceberg. Maybe, yes, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the exhaust, right? It, we don't right. see what's producing it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, you know, and, and it's you know one of the things that we've talked about, and I'm sorry I'm occupying a lot of the show here, but a lot of the things that we've talked about before, Stefan and I is. You know, some people are really hung up on it has to be a physical craft or it has to be a being mm -hmm. of light or it has to be a probe or it has to be a tic tac or whatever the case may be. But really, until we can prove one way or the other, it, it really has to be everything. Um, you have to consider it to be the possibility of everything. 
and not rule anything out until you can prove one way, one thing to be something. And even if you can prove that one thing to be something, you still have to allow for everything else to exist until you can prove for it all. And now you just, you just illustrated why the recent UAP report was exactly the way it was. Yep. That, that is exactly why. Because we can't mm-hmm. say for 100% we know what this is. And if we can't say 100% what this is, then how in the world is, you know, uh, this, are the citizens of the world just going to look at that and say, okay, these things are doing whatever they want and we're okay with that. That's not, you know, no, we, we, we can't have that. So it's better to actually have it as a mystery at this point and getting everyone involved and just kind of speculate and try to figure out what it is. But the problem really comes down to this, guys. You know, say one of these things lands and something gets out and says, yeah, we're, you know, from the planet, uh, what, whatever, you know, just do we believe them? Really? I mean, mm-hmm. how are we going to prove that? Well, here, here's the big It depends thing. on if his name's Commander Zorpazorp. Zorpazorp? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's easy. Commander, well, if he's Commander Zorpazorp, that's Commander different. If Commander Zorpazorp, then we're like, oh, yeah, we know you. We've seen you on all them, like, Facebook pictures and yeah. those little dots of light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know what would be really, I think what would be harder for a lot of people to accept is, is that most people won't see that happen, right? Mm-hmm. They'll see footage of it happening. Yeah. And will they trust the footage of what they're seeing? No, absolutely. With as good as deep fakes have gotten over the last few I years, yeah. I don't think they will. Yeah, I they mean, honestly, already yeah. didn't trust, you know, and now we, now it's even easier to fake. So Yeah, I mean I I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. A lot of posts that I see on Twitter and Instagram and others with video images or whatever, I scroll past because I'm yep. just not sure. And so I mean they may all be one hundred percent legit, but because like you said, it's so easy to make a fake. It's just really hard to get behind them. It's extremely hard. It's going to get harder. And, you, you know, I think the, the, there's a huge challenge that lies ahead for not just ufology, but for pretty much all the paranormal. I mean, as long as people are making money off of clicks, we have a huge problem, don't we? I mean. Yes, we do. Yeah. And that's kind of what we do. I mean, you would be surprised at how many just constantly. I mean, the, the mailbox is full of this and that. And, you know, sometimes it is something, but sometimes you have to really look at it and you're like, really? You know, but the thing, you can't get mad at uh, the witnesses at that point because they're only yeah. doing what they see. Okay. They're seeing this on TV. They're watching this on the internet. They're, they're believing every bit of it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. They're believing without investigating them or without researching, or without critical thinking. Well, one of the things that we've always had to combat has now, I guess, become way more prevalent. You know, back back when we first really started all this stuff, you know, Wikipedia and things like that were, were where people were always going to go get their information. And then you had all of these cryptids that were just, actually creepy pasta stories that mm-hmm. came into the cultural zeitgeist and suddenly they're they're almost uh i i guess from a geek perspective we'd say they're they they're almost considered canon right yeah and and uh we've got to fight that mess so we we not only have the creepy pasta stuff we've got a bajillion with like multiple zeros behind it facebook groups of just insanity 
and then we we now have TikTok. <laughs> and I'm I'm on TikTok. I, I watch stuff and I post some cooking videos every now and then. Um, but like I, I'm in uh, cryptid TikTok where I get all the cryptid videos. Same. And all stuff. <laughs> the people who are making this content, I see what they're saying, and I'm just like, okay, I now have to make cryptid content on my TikTok because I have to correct the course. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I hear some of this stuff, and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's a Wendigo. Oh, that's a Skinwalker. I'm like, dude, you don't even, you don't even know. You don't even. This, that's a bobcat. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. And, yep. And, and like, then it's, it's weird. It's the angry. ones that really look a little bit more legit, it's the exact opposite. Where people are like, "That's that's nothing." Yeah. No, it's yeah. So nobody's strange. listening to it. So that's and clear. Like, I got a feeling it's, it's one of those things that we have addressed a thousand times. Wayne and Ron and I have, have talked about this at nauseum. We can go out there and we can make all of the good content that we possibly can with every free minute of the day that we have. And we will get like 10 views. <laughs> Wineberry is a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, wine, like we, Wineberry is a great example. We actually have a full like, like 20 minute video episode of us going out doing an investigation in real time finding evidence and people who are like circling uh, a tree or a broken tree with a red circle and it's just a picture of the video and them narrating over top of this picture and that'll have a million views and an actual episodic feature where you find real evidence is like so I did a lot of research into the whole YouTube uh, algorithm and how you get plays and how you get, you know, how those things spike up to like a million views. And um, so there's this thing. Uh, I don't know how much I want to talk about it because you know, I did dabble. I did dabble a little bit. So there's a there's a couple of different offerings that are out there. And one of them is like YouTube Mafia or something like that. And what they do is you pay a fee, mm -hmm. and they take your video, and they put it into a bunch of playlists that are all over YouTube and all over the, the globe, and people subscribe to these playlists, and then all of a sudden, your video is at the top of this playlist, and so everybody goes out there and they watches it. And so then you get it's, – it's, it's organic in the way that YouTube thinks about organic versus paid you know, uh, viewership, but it's not really organic because you're basically paying for your – video to be placed at the top of these playlists and so <clears throat> on the one hand it spikes your videos to a million views but on the other hand you have of those million views they watch 30 seconds of it and so your retention number is horrible and the youtube algorithm actually cares more about your retention yep. and your click-through rate than it cares about how many views you get yep absolutely so, anyway. it's the same stuff that they do on uh, instagram yeah so I, I don't always look at, you know, yeah, I mean, I'll look at a video. I'm like, how do they get a million views? But now that I know how they get a million views, I actually go back and look. And, you know, of course, we can't see their statistics, but yeah. I'll look at my own statistics. And, it, and, and I'm happy to see, like, our retention numbers where they are, you know, so maybe we only get 50 views per episode. But of those 50 views, you know, 75 percent of them watch all the way to their end. So I'm, I'm happy yeah, with and that. Those, those kind of metrics are definitely what matter. 
that's that's the kind of thing that you want to see uh, is how long they're are, yeah. are you keeping their attention? Are they sticking around? Right. And, and and that's all huge. That's important because luckily, you know, we've we've got a good retention rate of the downloads um, or the people who've actually watched these videos and stuff that we've put out. You know, well, they're watching for 20 minutes and half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're like, yeah, heck yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, they're there because they want to be. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You have you have loyal listeners, mm -hmm. right? Loyal loyal viewers. So. Well, and it's interesting, you know, cuz uh not every can't believe this, but of course, you know, a lot of times aliens get kind of lumped in with cryptids as well, and if you think about it, they're like one of the only cryptids that kind of bother with technology for the most part. And so it's like, are they watching videos too? It's like, can we start making <laughs> Sasquatch videos? Are they going to get hip to this soon? You know, <laughs> maybe that's where Wayne always gets abducted to is they plop him in a chair and make him watch random YouTube videos. Oh, for a yeah. Few yeah. And then they return him, him. Yeah. They make him watch Harry and the Hendersons like 50 times. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> is Wayne still here or did he really get abducted? Oh, my God. No, I'm here. Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> I was scared oh, for, a for a second. I was worried. I was going to have to call 911 yeah. or something. I don't, I don't know. No, sorry, I was drawing. They usually bring him back. <laughs> they, good. <laughs> we keep hoping, but they keep bringing him back. Yeah, they keep bringing him back. <laughs> I don't know. I got to talk to those guys. With, with new cigars. <laughs> oh, you guys got to try this new Venusian cigar. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, call hey, this. You know, that might be a new gimmick you guys can try because it's actually driven up viewership. <laughs> Believe it or not, it is actually driven up viewership and stuff because there's a huge community that follows the cigar uh, industry. And the the fact that Wayne does get quality brand name, good named uh, cigars and promotes them out there, there are folks that actually will just come and listen to us now just because they're like, oh, this guy's smoking this cigar. It's, this show can't be that bad. And they go <laughs> listen to it, and then they stick around for the whole episode, and they're like, so, oh, maybe there is weird stuff out here. So, <laughs> so y'all have a cigar of the month? A cigar of the month or whatever? You know? No, a cigar of the week. Cigar of the week? Say, his is like cigar of the week, yeah. You well, like a start of the day, but <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like a Wayne Wayne's recommendations Patreon. There you go. So yeah, that's it. Well, that's kind of what it is. I mean, <laughs> I do a little video before you on Instagram or a photo or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so. a great idea. Yeah, don't steal my idea, guys. Oh, I don't smoke cigars. Mine be I don't smoke cigars. Yeah. yeah, mine be pepperoni pizza. Like what pepperoni pizza is he eating today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the, I got the newest stuff from Colorado. <laughs> Mine's coffee, so whatever. Yes. <laughs> I do have monsters. I do have some Sasquatch coffee. Somebody I I was I had a uh, for a while I had uh, a Cryptid of the Month crate uh, from uh, uh, Box Mountain. Mm -hmm. Oh and, yeah yeah yeah. And uh, they sent me a one month was like uh, Sasquatch and so I got a bunch of stuff I got a cool little sticker and some books and things but one of the things that they sent me was this little pouch that makes like two uh, eight ounce you know uh, pots of coffee so I'm, I'm saving it because Stefan myself and our friend Santosh are going to Somerset in September and I'm going to bring it we're going to brew it and, and drink it on our little adventure in Somerset so nice does it smell like Sasquatch musk musk so it's funny because I was talking to my <laughs> wife that morning 
about the coffee beans that you know, like in South America, that pass through the cat's butt or whatever. And right. Like, like Pivot cat. They're worth all this money, right? So I'm like, I'm like, did these beans pass through a Sasquatch? And, and then they, they think around them. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you just made me laugh thinking that Sasquatch poop like deer do. <laughs> 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 just, just larger pellets like gumballs. <laughs> Next time you see a rock slide. You know. I think that is uh, Gunnar Monson that has that coffee, that makes that coffee. He's actually on Monster X Radio. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's upstairs. I, I would go get it. But is uh, it a white? Is it a white bag? No, it it's a, a it's a brown pouch. Hmm. I wonder if it's his then, because he actually has a Sasquatch Coffee Company. I don't know. I'll have to look and, and message y'all later about it. Yeah, it's actually called the Sasquatch Coffee Company. Hmm. It's supposed to be pretty good. So you can do a Mothman so, medium brew. There you. Yeah. It'd be Mothman dark brew. Dark brew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something gets you the, the red eye. Yeah, I was gonna say or a red eye. <laughs> you have like the. You could do like different drinks. Yeah, you got the Flatwoods green tea. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So if anybody's listening, we want like ten percent royalties right. when you actually exactly. put this product. When you do this. Um, yeah. we, wow. we claim all. Well, that would be twenty. It'd be ten for us and ten the for them. So yeah. why, why are you so cheap? <laughs> well, that's why I told Josh that this is the new poor man's copyright. Is we talked about it on the podcast, therefore, yeah, therefore oh, that is. that don't work. We guys. Own the IP. <laughs> let it be spoken. Let it be done. We we tried that. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> we we yeah we you know we we were talking to the to the Boyd House uh, uh, owner a few weeks a few months back and. And I said, hey, you know, you all should uh, you all should offer for your for Patreon members. You should have um, you could go on in you know, a certain tier and and go through all the uh, audio recordings done at a, you know at a, at a session or an investigation mm-hmm. and let them be a part of the process and listen for and tag EVPs and like you know. So anybody else is listening and done that. I mean, that's my idea. I get ten percent of your of your Patreon if you do that. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> that that's called you pay me for labor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yeah. the American way. Yeah, let's yeah. start a new. Let's just start a new thing called you pay. You pay you me. Pay. Yeah, you pay. Yeah, you pay. Yeah. You, pay. <laughs> you pay. We'll send you the evidence. You get to look it over, and uh, we'll we'll mention your name when we. Uh, we well, yeah, but no, no. Post, so it's an experience, you're right? You're we will send you experience. ideas. We just send you ideas. Yeah. We don't want to have to get so, into too much. <laughs> So what do you guys think about this new uh, UFO flap uh, of documentaries and content, basically, that's that's getting thrown out now? So I have <laughs> we just actually we just actually talked about it not too long ago. So I really think it is I think it is all bundled up as disclosure. Mm-hmm. I think it is a way to trickle out to the masses uh, detail about disclosure, but it's coming from people who are not the government so that it'll be maybe a little, maybe it'll be trusted more. Um, and so like all the, all the to the stars folks that have got like documentaries coming out for the next three years, the thing that just is starting to air on Showtime, which is amazing. I watched the first episode the other night. Um, so, I mean, all of that stuff is just, I think it's a way to trickle out to the masses disclosure without calling it disclosure yeah hey yeah it's either that or ooh, it's hot right now 
one or the other. <laughs> I think that we're looking at uh, something that goes very deep. Uh, if you look back at so many of these programs that have happened over the years, you have to ask the number one question that I've asked since 2017 is why now? And, right. you know, uh, I think I've said it so many times on this show. I think we're on a clock. I don't think it's our clock anymore. Uh, mm. I think that there's it's a countdown to disclosure, basically. Uh, but I don't think it's our choice. I think we have to do this at this point. There comes a point to where either uh, the people are ready or the people are not going to be ready. And I think that it's come to the point to where the people have to get ready very fast. Now, what yeah. the, you know, I don't know why. I'm not going to even sit here and tell you that. But if you look at the data, uh, it does point to a fact that there has been a, a huge increase. And I do mean a monumental increase in uh, assimilation. And uh, so much so that it just dwarfs anything. I mean, from, you know, from the 70s on, uh, there was there was always a little bit of assimilation, wasn't there? There was always a little yeah. bit of alien this and alien that and, and close encounters and, you know, Star Wars, all that. It kind of got you set for it. But it was still, uh, the government doesn't look into that stuff. Uh, we can't confirm or deny it. And then all of a yeah. sudden in 2017, it's like, what? Wait, the UFOs yeah. are real. Well, and I, so I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that one, one of the things we were talking about the other day, I can't remember Stefan who we were on with that we were talking about this was, it, was it Paul? But, but I, it, it was, um, has anybody actually filed, um, for, uh, a, a FOIA for, so, you know, you have the Brookings report, right. Mm-hmm. That was done and it said, Hey, basically people aren't ready. Right. Mm-hmm. But one can assume that someone took that Brookings report and then laid out a plan for how do we make them ready? Yes. So has somebody filed a FOIA for the plan? Because the plan has to exist. Oh, I guarantee it exists, but it's probably and, labeled something ridiculous, right? And you know how FOIA right. works. How would, yeah, you have to name it directly. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, for the people out there like Black Vault and Debrief and, and all those other places that are just filing FOIA after FOIA after FOIA, I mean, surely they can come up with all kinds of random names to, to label something <laughs> yeah. and maybe get lucky. I mean, it doesn't cost anything to file, but you know, I, I really think that from that report, somebody came up with a plan and for the last 50 years, they have been slowly enacting that plan. But I agree that something has changed. A dynamic has changed to where either we're in the final days of whatever that plane lays out, or like you said, the timeline is no longer ours to control. Mm-hmm. It just feels well, weird, doesn't it? Well, I, <clears throat> I think a part of it as well is how fast news travels now, too. You know, if you think back in the 50s and 60s, they were able to kind of make things taboo because hell half the time. I mean, John Keel talks about it where he's like, we didn't even know there was a flap because these small town newspapers were the only people that were, uh, you know, talking about this UFO that was happening. People just didn't know about it. He was one of the first to really start saying, hey, look, this was happening in Connecticut at the same time as it was happening in Detroit and this, that, and this, that. Whereas now it moves quick. And if you missed the news or the newspaper back then, you had no idea what was going on. Well, now the news isn't just coming from newscasters. It's coming from people on TikTok. It's coming from people on Instagram. It's moving lightning fast. And I think the government is like, shit, we have to be in front of this or the narrative is going to be taken away from us. And so I think that's another part of it as well as they have to go, we've got to do this now 
or we lose the control of it. That that's part of my mm. opinion on it. I could totally see that. And there's, there's there's definitely room for that on the table as well. Um, you know as well as I do. Yeah, the, the need government. to control the narrative yes. is going to be paramount whenever something yes. happens. Yeah. Yes. And the younger so, generations are way more open to this than ever before. Like Gen X down, they are like, bring it on. Mm-hmm. So, so so what are y'all's thoughts, are? And I know this is not my show, but I'm going to ask a question anyway. It doesn't matter. You're well, a guest. You can well, ask where you Okay. Want. So what are y'all's thoughts on Secret Space Program? Oh, Space oh yeah, Joe, you go you're first. talking about the um, the the guy that claims he was an astronaut or well space well, I mean, military. Yeah, I mean it's it's huge, right? It, I mean it goes all the way back to World War II with does, the Nazis yeah. and the UFOs <laughs> under the Antarctica base. and the whole yeah, yeah you know, bases on the moon, uh, even yeah. a connection with other things. There's a really great series on Gaia called Deep Space. Highly recommend. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. really interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it goes all the way back to you know post-world war ii is is how far it dates back but yeah i mean it, it's just um you know one of the things that that i've been uh wondering about as it relates to secret space program and as well as the ramp up for disclosure stuff is have we been operating longer in space than just what we think of with nasa and is the creation of the official space force and all these things, a a kind of again a ramp up activity to see in a couple of years for us to make known for the U.S. to make known that we do have some advanced craft that we're going to begin operating underneath the the flag of the space force um, in a in a way to kind of bring those things into the fold. That's interesting. It's yeah. What it, do you it's think? It's possible um, because you know we've talked about this on the show before. Um, you know, I'm, I'm former air force and one of our motto back, back whenever I was in this, I joined in 2003, um, when we did our, you know, morning routine, we ended the, the, uh, this music number that they made us all do the air force song. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, ended with air power space power and and so we had already had that uh i guess that branch of the military already in existence right if that makes sense at least as far back as uh it it was officially into the 2000s and late 90s um where the air force was already had space command and had um had that in their mottos before this branch was actually became its own branch and it it is one of those things where we've talked about it well maybe maybe just maybe we have to kind of amp things up a little bit um you know one of the things that stood out to us at, at the time when um you know we had the uh, the last president trump had his um meeting with uh north korea and suddenly all all the talks went 100% peaceful, and there was a report that that leaked out um, where the Kim Jong Un said, uh, you know, hey, this was real, real sci-fi stuff, and and that's kind of what 
it stopped with. Well, you have <laughs> to also remember it was real this. sci-fi stuff. Remember and, uh, and so before what was it that went on in that conversation? Remember yeah. what happened before that conversation? That we were on the brink of a new Cold War. Right. And no one seems to remember this, but it was all over the internet. Oh, yeah, they're going to nuke us tomorrow. You know, it's like, oh, here we go again. It's yeah. the 1980s, you know. But what happened? It stopped. And it stopped about the time of what you're saying there, Joe. And uh, again, it plays into some of this this speculation. Yeah. Now, what really happened with the whole Space Force thing uh, is uh, it's real. We can't deny that now. But had it existed right. before? Is was this just a way for them to say, "Hey, look, it's here." I mean, you guys are probably going to see these things now. Yeah, everybody's got a cell phone that has a good camera on it. And you're you're probably going to catch so, one of these, right? So I I I made a I made a recent uh, kind of correlation, and I don't know if anybody else has ever made the correlation or not. But um, so the the Roswell crash right mm-hmm. happened July 1947. All that went down. The Air Force is established officially as a branch September 1947 right. right CIA um so you have uh the New York Times article about the 2004 Nimitz encounters that comes out in 2017 2018 adjusting to the new year space force is established as an official branch of the military yeah, dude. I mean, if you look and at this, it, we've said that. If you look at the patterns, you see the patterns. Yeah. They repeat. Because it went, it went all the way back with the Flatwoods Monster Incident and mm-hmm. the establishment of the Green Bay Telescope. Yeah. Guys, they were, it goes back they were so much They were immediately farther. approved after the Flatwoods Incident, and then yep. it got erected. You know? And, I, um... I mean, these things... But I think one of... Go ahead. These things were there, you know, when we were testing the atomic bomb. You've heard me say this over and over again, you know, and there's there's a lot of info on that. They were out there, you know, according to uh, Valet's new book, uh, his latest book, that was the first crash retrieval was was out there uh, near Trinity. So that is a very uh, impressive story. And I really suggest people look into that because it blows Roswell out of the water, quite frankly. Uh, and it sets up a precedence for, well, they didn't even know how to deal with this stuff at that time. By the time Roswell came along, they knew exactly what to do. They knew how to go in there. They knew how to cover that up. They knew how to get it out of there and, you know, shut everybody up. So they had learned their lesson at that point, basically. And they got better at it. And I'll say another thing for the whole, you know, secret space force. Who was the guy, the uh, UK kid, McKinnon? Was that him? Some, uh, he's the one who who hacked in, I guess, uh, to the uh, to the the US computers. You remember the story? It happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of that secret space stuff come came from that very story, where he says he saw the, you know, uh, the officers on uh, the non-terrestrial ships or, or what have you. And, you know, the funny thing about saying, you know, this kid, instead of just saying, yes, kid's crazy. No, what did they do? They, they basically threatened this kid. And, uh, you know, he, he just kind of disappeared, didn't he? And he's, he's probably working with them to this point. Yeah. At this point. You know, this is one of those well, things. Well, I mean, that's, that is their mo. That we, is their. We MO. had a kid in my high school that yes. broke into um, a White House computer yeah. from our high school, and uh, he was given an option to go to jail or join the military immediately after graduation. 
the British government blocked um, the extradition, but I I think that he probably did end up somewhere, you know, doing that. He did serve some time, I believe. But either way, the point is that is where this, you know, got out there and it got ran with. But we do know some facts that kind of point to what you were saying. We know that, uh, you know, Stanton Friedman used to talk about that in uh, in his mm-hmm. lectures. And he showed the pictures of the, you know, the giant reactors, you know, these things could have worked. And, and when they got them up to, to speed, when they proved that this, this part of the technology worked, they shut the program down and they would start another one and they would shut it down, start another. And this just continued. So we had the, t- the at the time, we had the technology in the 50s to probably, you know, leave the solar system, according to, you know, to that thought. Um, did we, so, you know, well, so the, this leads into the next question, since you guys brought up this topic and we're talking about possibly leaving and going out and doing this stuff, what, uh, what else your, your take on solar warden? Oh, so I'm not familiar with it. That's a deep one. Oh, see, Solar Warden was actually what I thought you guys were asking about when you were talking about the secret space programs. So you're talking about uh, the, um, oh, uh, that sounds so familiar to me. Solar Solar Warden was a alleged uh, and could possibly be. We just don't know, so we use alleged. This was before um, Space Force. This was way before Space Force, and this was before Space Command. Um, this started approximately mid-year of 1980, and it was a secret space fleet that was sent out. Oh, okay. And Allegedly. they essentially yeah. hid using uh, yes, the brightness yes. of the sun. Yeah, so I, I do know. I, I didn't know it was called Solar Warden, but I know what you're talking about. And yeah, this same. is This is, there's also a guy out there, and I, and I can't remember his name, but... He claims to have been um, uh, a Marine that, that fought the, the wars on, you know, there's yeah. a war raging on Mars and a war raging on, on, the, on the, the moon. And I think Titan may be one of the, the moons out there. Um, there's, a, you know, there's battlefields and all this kind of stuff. And they've been out there fighting with, alongside some extraterrestrial species and against some others. And so, yeah, I mean, all that is just so captivating. But I, I just... For me, for one person to have come forward and said all this, and nobody else has, I mean, I just don't know if it, it puts a lot of stock into one individual. 100% agree. I couldn't agree more, actually. I think that a lot of this yeah. is disinformation that uh, they've used for years to help ridicule this. And yeah. we don't hear too much of that anymore. Now it's, uh, you know, the, the genie's out of the bottle. Now, where it's going, I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you talk about disinformation. Um, I mean, I, I do even wonder how much of what the government is putting out today, how much of the report from a few, you know, from a month ago, mm-hmm. is is still meant to be sort of disinformation to maybe you know sway people away from really giving it too much thought and you know try to keep it with you know the kind of typical audience that has always kind of been interested in it you have to look at that and then you have to look at how it doesn't follow the typical pattern as well uh and you also have to look at before they came to this conclusion they really guys they tried their best to uh, 
whitewash it. They went as far as uh, you know showing patents for this technology that yeah they magically <laughs> yeah. came up with, right? And everybody knew this guy. Yeah, the name. patents were like a red hair. Like, come on. Yeah, you know, you, you want to go down a rabbit hole? Uh, yeah. Go to Google Patents and just look up like transdimensional drive. Yep. I mean, just the yep. crazy stuff. And there's patents out yep. there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so it's definitely like you have to wonder how much of it is disinformation, how much of it is real. Like I always call it, it's a lie sandwich, you know. Uh, there's so many, there's just a little bit of truth there. And there's so much lies stacked on top of it. And yep. I think, you know, that's our issue, isn't it? I mean, we don't know what the truth is. But I am very, uh, I'm hopeful that the next phase of this has mm -hmm. begun. And that is what, uh, you know, the private sector is going to do, like uh, Avi Loeb. Uh, with his yeah uh, you know, project Galileo, right? I mean that's right. That's, that's huge. And you know I, the other, you know the the thing that I also you know I'll just say, honestly, the, the part of the investigation, you know, the investigation part of this is the joy, right? So I mean, as long as the story doesn't end one day with it just being, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, it was all made up in a Hollywood studio. Although I don't know that anybody would believe that, but um, you know. It, uh, the investigation and the journey of the investigation is really mm -hmm. the fun. I mean, do I think that I will ever solve this mystery that I myself will solve the mystery? No. Mm -hmm. um, but I do enjoy going along with it as others bring out theories and, and ideas and we figure out ways to test those ideas and theories. And we, and I think we we've made some advances in the phenomena and understanding the phenomena over the last, you know, 50 to 60 to 70 years. Um, but I don't think we're anywhere near figuring out uh, what the phenomena is. No, we're not. And I really believe that the most exciting stuff is literally buried under our feet. I believe oh, that yes. a lot of the oh, truth yep. is actually right there. It's in the sand. LIDAR is yep. going to help us get it. And this technology that we are developing that is almost magic is going to actually bring these stories to life. And it's going to actually, you know, give us a little bit more and probably make us ask a lot more questions about where we came from. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Yep. We are 100% with you on that, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> According to Bob Lazar, you know, the, the original one that they were, he claims to work on was found during an archeological dig. That's yeah. true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we hear that a lot, the ancient technologies and hidden those caves. This is why I can't really just, no matter what the government releases in their papers and their official briefings, I, it doesn't matter. The, the real truth to me is a lot older than that. And it's yeah. written on cave walls. It's written in books. It's written in scriptures. It's written in legends. There's 12 thousand different versions of the flood myth right you know well, something happened here on this planet and that's us and how, and how much of it is written in things that we can no longer get access to exactly. right? because ocean levels of raised yes. or, or, or like all the books and scrolls yes. that got lost in alexandria yes right the the codices and the maya temples mm -hmm. that were destroyed yeah you know yeah. i mean god can you imagine what we it's have, like we're yeah the, there's a show on Gaia called Ancient Civilizations, another good show worth checking out. Um, but one of the things they, they spend in almost an entire episode talking about is the Great Sphinx in in uh, in the desert out in um, in um, Egypt. Crap, Egypt. Thank yeah. you. I'm totally blanking on the name of the country. Um, that uh, that it's erosion. Yes. It's erosion is not sand erosion. Yeah, it's, it's water fluvial. erosion. Yeah, that's right. It's fluvial erosion. That's correct. 
And there's only one way that could happen, guys. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about little water, okay? We're talking right. about big water. A lots, lot of water. Yes. Yeah. Moving water at lots that. Lots of moving yep. water. And that also shows... They were also talking about, you know, the Sphinx is much older than we think yes. as well because of that. Yeah. I mean, it's like you look, you know, one of the theories that we've postulated many times is, is how much of the flood was, you know, the uh, the Ice Age kind of moving away from the Ice Age, right? And, and, and changing the continents because, you know, we know that they moved apart. Water went into places that wasn't there before because the ice melted. Look at the Great Lakes and things like that, you know, but it, it also shows us there had to have been some sort of civilization before all that. Right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what we look at as well, you know, is especially if it was some sort of bio um, civilization that were used things that, you know, were, uh, how did you, how did you say Josh bio um, biodegradable, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that one of the shows, this I think is on history channel. It's a couple years old. It might be discovery, but is, um, it's called After Humans or Afterlife. I, I remember it. Exactly. Yes, but but that you was know, a it, great show. It you was, went, except for the stupid spiders flying. Uh -uh. <laughs> so, but you know, when when you when you break it down, like if we were no longer here, how quickly yes. uh, nature would take over. And so, if you look at if if humanity or some level of civilization existed long before we think it did, you know, everybody always says, well. You know, wouldn't we find a car buried in the road? Well, that assumes they used cars. Uh, wouldn't we find a building buried or an iron bar? Let's assume they use iron bars. You know, so we have a really um, uncanny ability to take our own experiences and apply them to anything else. Alien life, cryptid life, whatever. We think everything must behave the exact same <laughs> we way we anthropomorphize do. our pets, for God's sake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do it to everything else. Exactly. Yes, yep. But you're on to it, though, aren't you? It's all about what's buried out there. The the signatures, those techno signatures, as Avi says, you know, the microplastics and whatnot. Is there microplastics? Is it possible that somewhere in a core sample in Antarctica that there's microplastics? Think I mean, about that. Ever, ever wonder where all the carbon comes from? Maybe it's from nanotubes. There you go. No, for real. I mean, and we don't know how many times life has yeah. been here and been shut down and restarted. Okay. We don't know. We can only go back 10,000 years and we can see mm -hmm. that one pretty yeah. well. We I know. mean, there's a hunt, right. There's 165 million years between yeah. us and the dinosaurs. Yeah. And I refuse to believe that nothing else, nothing else, right. Intelligent lived during that time. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Especially with at the dawn of what we consider our real humanity, they were building things that we struggle to build now. <laughs> you know, no, like yeah. how were they smarter than right. us? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, H blocks, Puma Punku. I mean, yeah. You just like come on. Puma Punku, don't you? I do. <laughs> Puma it's a great Punku. Puma Punku. It sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> it's kind of like a Mua Mua. Oh, um, yeah. Mua, yes. These, well, these... what's the what's the place that's in? And you probably already said it. But the place that's in South America that has all those blocks that fit so closely together. Um, I, they're not like evenly cut blocks, but they all just fit very closely together. Like yeah. zero room for error. Uh, and I can't think of what the name of the place I can't is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's really interesting that there's, I mean, they are so close together that they're like, this should be, and they're like, impossible. and they're like 20 ton blocks, right? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it would have been impossible to move. So, so we think, 
and then they're, they're fit so closely together. They don't use mortar or any of that you know, kind of stuff. They're just cut perfectly to fit together. Yep. And again, we couldn't accomplish that stuff today, right? With the, with the technology no. we have today, we could not accomplish that. No, and, we, and if we could, it would, you know, how long would it take? You know, right. Because we are mm-hmm. stubborn. Yeah. We will try to do that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we will fail miserably in doing it. And well, well, I, I can't remember. Uh, there was also a show, I think it was on History Channel uh, a few years back, where they tried to, they tried to cut and move a stone mm-hmm. the way that they think it would have been moved for the pyramids. Yep. I remember that. And, and like, it took them, like, all day. Yes. And they had to end up moving it with a bulldozer. It was embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> I remember watching that. And, you know, there are people who still believe the narrative that that's how they did it. There's no way that's how they did it. I mean, it, no, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> and and well, I don't, but there, you know, you know, there are also people who believe the pyramid was built for storing grain. That's, so that's true. That's true. Or a giant battery, or you know, that's yeah, the right. beautiful thing about the you know these mysteries. They're gone. Yeah. I'm and, of the camp that I believe the Egyptians rolled up on the pyramids. Yeah, they did. Mm. I, that's that's what I think too. I though. don't. I don't think that the Egyptians no. built the pyramids, and that's no. why we don't know how to build no. the pyramids. and it's just like the mounds, man. It's the same story we hear yeah. in Cahokia, you know. Uh, when when they they went out there, they were like, oh, we don't know. These were here. Same thing we hear down in, you know, uh, Central America. Oh, those those were here when we got here. Yeah. You know, where'd they come from? The gods built them. Okay, good enough. You know? Yeah, that'll <laughs> I mean, do. We'll take that. <laughs> So, you know, so Ron, you're, you know, you're talking about everything being kind of buried in our feet, you know, yeah. the, the, the answers are under, underneath our feet, but I want to ask, and this has been a topic of my interest for the last six months, hollow earth. Oh, hollow earth. The, the we, uh, we had fun with hollow earth. Hollow earth. Well, there is a little bit about that in there. We know that the legend actually started with bird, um, and and yeah. that that whole you know and boy if you read that you really have to wonder don't you I mean yeah <laughs> he's okay I mean I don't know either the guy actually experienced this or or I don't know what the guy was on he he found some potent stuff up there I mean well, um I don't know have, have you ever read the Smoky God I have not excellent book yes highly recommend by who um. It's by mm-hmm. um, let me look uh, it up. Crap. Let me What's look it up. Well, was this like an autobiography about Wayne? <laughs> that's the smoking god. The he said smoky god. god. <laughs> I found it. So this is by Willis George Emerson. Yeah, that's it. Um, so it's it's about a Norse father and son who leave to find fertile gra- fertile fishing grounds farther north. They end up sailing into inner earth from the like the northern regions live there for two years, interact with all kinds of different people, giants and other things inside inner earth, decide one day to leave, sail back out through the south portion of the earth, and then there's all kinds of stuff. I don't want to give it away from my yeah, it's, the book. It's, but... it's actually a pretty short book. It's good. It was published in 1908, and you can usually find a ton of free copies on Kindle and things like that. Oh, yeah. Sweet. I will add yeah. that to the list for sure. Yeah. I had to check that Quick one out. Read. It definitely now, goes my... in. Oh, sorry, Joe. I was going to say, my theory as far as the hollow earth is concerned isn't uh, like the traditional hollow earth theory. Um, Because, uh, you know, magma has to flow out, right? Mm -hmm. So technically, there's these 
chambers a bunch of volcanoes no longer active you have these tubular tunnels chambers that are now open and they lead into yeah. the core and our planet has had tectonic volcanic seismic activity ever since it started spinning so we're gonna have these cavities that lead from point a to point b and those could be easy passageways yep you know I like so I, I liked how in um uh, bringing back some some movie reference here uh, King of the Monsters yeah Godzilla King of the Monsters touched yep. on a little bit and then Godzilla versus Kong just went bonkers with it yeah they went ham on uh, it <laughs> yeah they they were like yes we're gonna go full blown uh, but like the way it worked and how they were describing how Godzilla would move from point A to point B so quickly was through these chambers and tunnels. And I was like, oh, well, that actually kind of lines up with what I'd already sort of thought about and how these systems could work. And I was like, oh, so I'm not crazy. So then that caused a big conversation with me and Ron a few years back. And um, then, uh, you know, talking about these USOs, the Unidentified Submerged yeah. Objects. You know, how are these things moving from point A to B so quickly? Well, it very well could be moving yeah. through, you know, these volcanic tunnels that are left behind from dead volcanoes. And they're just navigating these spots from point A to point B very quickly. And, you know, could be. Well, and again, I mean, you know, it's interesting to see the amount of hollow earth stuff that is all of a sudden popping back up in pop culture, too. Right. And so it's yeah. like. Is that much like sci-fi always seems to show similar things? It's like, are are we leading to being get more open about Hollow Earth as well? I, I don't know. I, I think there's an interpretation there with Hollow Earth, and I think that there's room for it, uh, in my opinion, because I think it relates to some of those early legends, the Amphalio, the Navel of the mm -hmm. World, the the Hopi, the Ant People, the yep. the story of the survivors, which the Sleestacks, sure. The, yeah. the, the story of, you know, the survivors of that cataclysm, which will be our uh, third installment of Fallen Worlds, the survivors, which will be coming up sometime soon. And we'll go into that really in, in depth. But basically, there's a lot of myths that say and legends, I won't say myths, myths and legends that say that people hid underground. They were taken underground and they emerged from the underground to the yeah. surface uh, world. And, you know, much like, uh, you know, uh, fallout, I guess, you know, that's, it's kind of how it, it went yeah. down. So it's, so I have, yeah, I have two theories that I'm currently kind of working through when it comes to hollow earth. So one is I agree with what Joe said that there, there's, there's what else, what I'll call subterranean, you know, dwellings, which will just, they live in those old lava tubes and things like that underneath the earth, but they're not, that's not really hollow earth. Hollow earth to me is there's another hole uh, earth further in to our planet. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm working or that I'm thinking about or have been thinking about is, are we living on the surface of a Dyson sphere? Ooh. Well, now that's interesting, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, but you know, did, did, did it a civilization long, you know, were we right. once a, were we once a binary star, star system, right? And a system, a civilization long ago, uh, figured out a way to harness the power of the smaller star that was being drained off by our main star and built a Dyson sphere around it. And then years later, 
you know, they moved outside of the inner area and started populating the outside area. And we're just the remnants of what's left from that big ancient civilization. See? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, and that even gets, that gets into some stuff that we're studying currently. Cause we're going to do a deep dive soon on the Kardashev scale. And to be able to do a die, uh, to have the Dyson sphere, you're talking about like what a level three or level four civilization. Uh, right. Level four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more book I'll, I'll mention, uh, if you haven't looked into it, is the uh, Edidorfa. God uh, bless you. I've heard of that one. <laughs> uh, E-T-I-D-O-R-H-P-A. It's by John Uri Lloyd. It was written uh, in 1895. Oh, that's the one it turned into like a, a cult as well, correct? Yeah. I think I know what this is. Yeah, so it was a is... whole religion that, that got sparked out of this. But it's also having to do with kind of this this guy's journey to inner earth and the beings that he encounters when he gets there. Okay. I wonder if that's what's going to happen when when they find like these old digital recordings somewhere of like Fearscape and Wild and Weird. Right. Like, oh, I'm a, fierce, I'm a Fearscapian. Yes. Right. I'm a wild and weirdite. What do you I'm mean someday? We're, we're starting that next week. So <laughs> it's going to be like the, them discovering the Dropa Stones. They'll just be like, ah, yeah. that's a hoax. Yeah. yeah that, that's not real. No one would possibly do this. Well, I've always thought about that. It's like, you know, imagine if, if say, the world gets nuked and, you know, only, you know, a, a third of the civilization ex- continues on and things like that. And here we are uh, 3,000 years in the future and they find Somebody a, a, left a their, copy their of their Star Wars. With the charger and everything intact in one spot. Right. And they find like Star Wars yeah. and they think, oh, my God, is this a documentary? You know, yes. like, is this what civilization was like? Yes, exactly. Then? And could that One be what the hope. Mahabharata was? You know, I mean, it's the same stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, and yep. believe me, I, I'm there all the time. I'm thinking about the same thing constantly. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, it's a sad place. But, you know, I've seen I've seen things in my mind that you don't want to see. So <laughs> I've seen shit that'll turn you white. <laughs> Well, guys, we're running into our time wall here. If you want to catch more of what we've got going on right now, Wild and Weird is actually going to be making an appearance over on Fearscape really soon. So you're going to want to jump in and tune in for that episode because it was going to be much of the same stuff, I'm going to assume, and uh, going to dive in a little bit deeper on a few of these topics and uh, probably hit some new ones while we're at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I hope you guys had a good time. This has actually been a blast. It's been a show. great time. I, I can't, I can't believe an hour and ten's already passed. Oh man, I feel like we could have kept on talking, man. But yeah, we will when you guys come on over yeah. to Fearscape. We'll keep it going too. To be continued. <laughs> right on, part two. To be continued, guys. <laughs> yep. And people can find that at FearscapePodcast.com or just look for it. You know, uh, they'll be able to find it pretty easily. So we'll have some links up for you too. Absolutely. Cool. Same with awesome. you guys. Well, we appreciate you guys having us on. This was an absolute blast, man. Thank yeah. you all so much. Well, thanks. For oh, we're definitely going to have to do it again. Wayne, we're we're doing Wayne this again. No this thanks. is a fun panel. This is fun. <laughs> for sure. We need, <laughs> I love, I love, I love this stuff, man. It reminds me of that old eighties, um, uh, debate, uh, news story. What was that? The Mac- Mac- McLaughlin report. McLaughlin report. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, folks, if you want to hear more, 
you can go ahead and hit wildandweirdwv.com and go listen to the backlog of episodes that we've got or head on over to whatever podcatcher you're listening on and type in Fearscape. Press search. It's going to come up. They've got a really cool font on their logo, and they're one of about maybe two or three that'll show up with a similar name in their title. And it's going to be easy to pick up on because this is they're going to have a bunch of episodes, highly rated, good stuff. Go dig in and and listen to your heart's content. If you want to continue supporting Wild and Weird Radio to keep it free for eons to come, head over to wildandweirdwv.com. Click the shop tab. You can go through our entire online archive of goodies and have it delivered straight to your door. We might even get a couple of them signed by Wayne in the process. Oh, you know, he's the, always uh, up for that. The Mothman Mini is officially back in stock. Woo! That's right. Yep. We are back in stock, so go get it, guys. You get, heard him. Get it fast go, because go, we like, got to go. Part down now. Yeah, because we got to go to we take the rest of Mothman. got a brand new Mothman. mold, and I can't wait to burn it up. Yeah, <laughs> got to get the rest of Mothman so, Festival, so you got to be there to get those. Or Wild and Weird exactly. Con. The very next thing, Ron, just touched. Yep. If you want to come hang out with us in October, November, <laughs> see, my brain, like, I'm going to go back to Stroke. sleep and restart. I am not kidding. <laughs> You thought I was November kidding. November the 6th, Wild and Weird Con. You can hang out with all of us. This is going to be a good time. You never know who all is going to actually show up. And, yeah, Joe uh, might be there. He might forget. on our list. So, what is it? <laughs> you might be there. You might forget. Who knows? Yeah, I might be there. I might forget. You never know. It, it's it, You're just going to have to see what happens. He'll if you also October. want to come hang out, catch us at uh, Mothman Festival. It's going to be a good time there. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff coming up where you can catch Wild and Weird Radio in person, and and Wayne can sign your foreheads or your butts, whatever you want, for a fee, of course. <laughs> so until next time, everybody, stay wild and weird. I'd like to put on this disclaimer, folks. I don't believe in anything they talked about tonight. <laughs> I have no opinion on it. I think it's all malarkey. <laughs> Oh, and congratulations to a Fearscape Paranormal Podcast for being nominated and as a finalist. Congratulations, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Let's hope you do better than Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, <laughs> and Johnny Depp. <laughs> We're going to cut that out, guys, by the way. <laughs>